Hello and welcome back to the third and final installment of the Wordsmith Workbook Walkthrough. Wow. <laughs> WWW. Anyways, um, if you've been listening throughout this last, I should say, these last few weeks, you've been probably following along in the workbook as well as audibly here on the podcast on different ways you can basically just vet your potential editor or editors. There are definitely things to look for professionally as well as legally, and then a few things in between to focus on when it comes to, is this a personality match? Like, is who you're looking to work with someone who jives with your personal work style? Um, so today we're gonna wrap up this free mini course. That's basically what this has been. And I am super excited to tell you about what happens next after this month. So after today's episode, and then I'm going to do one final episode for next week, you know, it's the wrap of September. This will be the end of season one and what that also means. This is the start of the revamp, the rebranding. This podcast is getting a whole new look, a whole new title, and we're going to have a bunch of, I would say, new topics. I've already started to cover a couple of them, but we're really going to be digging in deep into global folklore and storytelling, both in the actual legends and mythos themselves, but also how knowing these things and also knowing the archaeology and the history into them really does help you as a writer enhance your book, enhance your world building, enhance your characters. So I'm super excited, especially because I know already what that first ever brand new podcast, brand new focus everything is going to be. And here's just a quick sneak peek. I have been working on this research for years. Um, it was actually my project back when I was getting my bachelor's degree. I presented it at a conference. I tried getting it published in academic journals, but they're like, it's not anthropological enough. I'm like, how? The whole thing is anthropology. Anyways, that's just a sneak peek. I'm not going to tell you specifically what it's about, but there's your, your little sneak peek into that. Um, also exciting, I am talking to um, a couple authors I'm looking forward to interviewing and having just a guest star, guest spot on the new podcast format, one of whom is publishing her first ever novel on November 18th. And she and I have been working together. She is one of my amazing authors. I've been so honored and privileged to work with personally and professionally. And let me tell you, her novel is amazing. And it's just been such a wonderful journey to be alongside her and see her grow from a newbie in the industry, like a, a new fledgling aspiring author to someone whose craft has really just grown exponentially in a matter of months and in some ways in a matter of weeks. So things like that are coming up. I'm talking to somebody else who um, recently published, but is just now starting to get her book out here in the States. And 
Oh my gosh, I'm excited to read it. I already reserved a copy. <laughs> so I'm just really, really excited. I am looking forward to the new look to this podcast. And I gotta say, I have a big hesitation. Um, like, is this gonna take me a bit? Because I know sometimes when podcasts do those refreshes, there's a bit of a pause, you know, a couple weeks between the old season and the new. Honestly, I am so stoked to get into the new. I don't think we're going to be missing any time between now and then. So this is going to be great. This really is going to be great. But hey, you're here because you want to wrap up the mini course, the Wordsmith Workbook Walkthrough. Please let me know. Uh, drop a line, um, DM me on Instagram if you have any further questions or if you just want to let me know how useful this was to you. Were there things that you feel like I should have covered and I didn't? I am absolutely open to the feedback. I want this to be the best ever resource for you. And I want to keep it free, okay? If you you want to pay me for things. I have things you could pay me for. This just is not one of them. I feel like protecting yourself should not cost you anything. So there's that. So without further ado, let's dive in. You're listening to The Writer's Workshop, a weekly podcast about writing, publishing, and the art of storytelling. I'm Nikki Aubrichet, book editor, writer, and cultural anthropologist. Things to keep in mind. These are just notes I want you to memorize for yourself. Think about for yourself so you can be an ideal client while you're looking for the ideal editor. Because you could find the world's most perfect editor for you. But if you're not that great of a client, that perfect editor may not want to work with you. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I, I'm pretty awesome myself, but if you're rude to me or you're just kind of like, I'm not going to work with you. I'll be nice when I tell you no, but I am going to tell you no. I put my foot down. I really do. I, and this is something good for business owners to hear and you as a client to hear too because when you publish your book, you're going to get bad reviews. There are going to be people who review your book and never even read it. It's, it's a fact of life. I once had someone ask me a couple years ago when I still worked in the salon industry, she found her super fancy business cards I designed for her gold foil, uh, soft feel, soft touch to like a velour touch to her beautiful, professional, expensive business card that somebody just tossed on the sidewalk after they left. And she found it because she went out for a lunch break and she came back and she was near tears. And she's like, what kind of person would do that? And I immediately said, the kind of person you don't want to, you don't want in your chair. What kind of person does that? The kind of person you don't want to work with. And she immediately kind of straightened up and goes, you know what? You're right. What kind of person would just be like, I'm sorry, here's the thing. What kind of person says, oh, I, I just need to think about it. That's the kind of person I don't want to work with. I'm going to be completely transparent. I want to work with decisive people because decisiveness indicates that you're serious. I want to work with serious authors. I want to work with writers who claim the title author for themselves. I'm actually working with an author, right? Uh, an aspiring author right now. She made very public statements on her own before even having our consultation. 
almost quoting exactly. I am claiming it for myself. I am an author. That is who I am. And nothing and no one is going to stop me from achieving this and being this. I saw that and I'm like, yep, I'm taking you on. She is amazing to work with. Like, she's so personable. She's so great. She's so understanding. She asked questions. She asked great questions. She asked about her contract. She reviewed it. She's very on top of things. She's worth it. I am more than happy to spend the extra time working with her because she's serious. She's decisive. She's on it. You know what I mean? Like, that says a lot for you as a person, as well as it says for you as an author and as a client, that no matter what hot mess your manuscript may be in, you're worth working with. If you come in with an ego, you have a lot less chance of getting a quality editor, to be perfectly honest. If you come in with an ego and, well, this is how I do and I'm not going to change, you could probably still get an editor, but I promise you the editor is probably going to be far more focused on how much you can pay them than on how well you're going to work together and how good of a book that's going to come out of it and how successful it's going to be in the industry. Just being honest here, this, this is a very hard truth to swallow, but I hope you do swallow it. And I also feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you're the kind of person who's going to agree with me on that. You know, I just, I like to think of that that way. I like to think that people who have egos and are just like, well, I know what I'm doing. Because even the best professional always has things to learn. You know what I mean? You don't know how to do everything. So, you know, if, if you have that kind of ego, you're probably not the kind of person to listen to podcasts to learn more. You know what I mean? It just kind of goes hand in hand with each other. That being said, let's talk about things to keep in mind. And, I, and I'm a lot of this I've already written down, but I like to say it vocally, especially if it helps, if you're one of those audio visual learners. Service-based businesses, especially virtual ones, operate on a different level than brick-and-mortar goods, uh, brick-and-mortar um, businesses or goods-based establishments. And I mean that's like and slash or because you could have a brick and mortar service based business, it will operate completely different from a virtual service based business. And you can have a virtual goods based business that's going to operate very differently from a brick and mortar goods based business. So you keep in mind, like when you're working with an editor, they are most likely 99.9% probability a virtual service based business. It's very unlikely they're going to have a brick and mortar establishment. So the things to keep in mind is really a list of frequently asked questions to help you in the vetting process, but in the end, follow your gut. And these are things for you to be aware of to also give a little grace <laughs> in the terms of it's a virtual service-based industry. Google reviews. While it's a fantastic resource for researching brick and mortar businesses, this is not available for virtual only companies. It's not. I tried. Google reviews only apply to brick and mortar establishments. They do not exist. For, they, won't, they won't let you set yourself up. Like, I, I am a virtual-based business. It will not let me set my web page up or my website or, or my business in general up to receive Google reviews. If I want Google reviews, I have to go start renting office space. I'm not there yet. Am I going to? And do I know which office space I'm going to? Hell yeah. <laughs> I already checked it out. I spent a day there. It was awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm stoked. But I'm just not at the point right now where I can or will do that anytime soon. This means that I can't have Google reviews. That doesn't mean I don't have reviews. It's just, and I, and I put this in here because um, I had a couple people ask me like, well, how come your company doesn't have Google reviews? I'm more comfortable with companies that have Google reviews. I did the research. I wanted to tap that on and find out that's why. 
So this, and like, like I put in the worksheet, this means that unless your editor works in an office away from their home that is geographically designated under their business name, they will probably not have any Google reviews available, even if they've been in business for years. Just keep that in mind, okay? Give that grace. Look for other means of reviews. Maybe they have reviews on their LinkedIn. Maybe they have re reviews on their Instagram. Maybe they have, maybe there are Instagram accounts for authors who've worked with them and just keep talking about them. Like just find those reviews elsewhere. Google just isn't going to be one of them. Amazon Kindle. I added this in there because I saw this recently. Someone, someone asked, you know, like, how do you know editor's good? And someone else said, always make sure they have a, a long list of Amazon Kindle books. You know, check their Amazon Kindle, like, you know, see what the list looks like. That's not accurate. Your editor could have over a decade of experience in published materials. Yo. <laughs> and not one of them shows up on Amazon Kindle. I mentioned this before, I have like two or three. But realistically, I'd probably have none if it wasn't for my one best friend and my one professor, okay? Being honest. But I have 15 years of editing experience, okay? I'm just recently breaking into the Amazon Kindle side. So that's why I have this in here. You could be talking to a phenomenal editor who just doesn't have anything published on Amazon Kindle yet. Always feel free to ask for information on where their work can be viewed and slash or which institutions they previously worked with in an editing capacity. That's another reason why I love LinkedIn and I encourage all business owners and entrepreneurs to have a LinkedIn page both personal and company page. Um, this allows for that information to be there. If you go to my LinkedIn, my personal one, for example, you will see that I have been a guest editor, a guest copy editor for the Irish Journal of Anthropology for a few years now. Um, I have edited for my, uh, my friend for many years. You'll see all these things. You'll even see, uh, honestly, I did a lot of copywriting and copy editing for small businesses. You'll see that as well. Uh, now, on a side, I do not copyright. Do, do, don't come to me for copyright. I did it once for a, a good colleague friend of mine recently, and that's it. Because they're a good colleague friend, and, and they really, really wanted and needed the help, and they trusted me, and I'm like, okay, and it's not a big project, no problem. Um, but, but even in that experience, it just reaffirmed, I don't copyright. I just, writing for me comes from my soul, and if I'm not feeling it, I'm not writing it, you know? <laughs> So I don't do that. But copy editing, absolutely. I still do it. I don't really do it full time. I prefer manuscripts. But you'll see all that in in the reviews on LinkedIn. You'll see that in my Instagram. You'll see that in my Facebook. People talk about me. So it's cool. So that, that kind of supplements the Kindle and Google issue. Um, newbies. Everybody has to start somewhere. This is still going off the Google reviews and the Amazon Kindle thing. But this is also just in general. Everyone has to start somewhere. Utilize the Q&A list that we talked about earlier and pay attention to everything between the words. Are the responses technical in nature or are they imbued with a strong sense of passion and dedication to literary arts and you? And also be aware of why they're new. This may simply be a career shift backed by years of experience. What I mean by this is... Just because someone hasn't worked on a book before does not mean they're going to do a terrible job. It does not mean they don't know what they're talking about. What this does mean 
is that when their answers to your questions are imbued with a strong sense of passion, dedication to the literary arts and you, that even though you may be the first book they've ever contracted with, they are so driven to do the most amazing job humanly possible with you. And you can bank on that. So please give new editors the time of day. Please give new editors a chance. If they're doing their due diligence on everything else and they're presenting themselves as professional business people, as professional entrepreneurs, as responsible and organized and dedicated and passionate, and I'm listing with all my numbers, all my, <laughs> listing this all my fingers, and I get up to like 10 fingers, you know, if they are putting their absolute best foot forward and dedicated to you, hire them. Be that first book. You might be the next Shadow and Bone, the next Flick Steel, and Ben Barnes is guest starring or whatever. Like, <laughs> you can have Brad Pitt playing your main character for all we know. You won't know until your book's edited and published. Wouldn't you want to support this editor? Wouldn't you want to take advantage of the fact that they probably have an introductory deal? Like, oh my gosh, yes. I, I had that. It's gone now. But some of my people that I'm working with right now, they, they took a chance on me. They have zero regrets. And they also saved quite a lot of money because I was more focused on serving them. I'm, they're just paying for my groceries right now. You know, like, <laughs> that's basically what, what that's, what's happening there. Now moving forward, now I have the, the gusto to say, hey, no, I've got an Amazon list. I've got reviews. I've been working with people. I'm a pro. But I wanted to like, stand up for the newbies out there because I do see some salty authors who really I feel like kind of they don't have a whole lot of space to say because nobody's heard of them but oh well <laughs> that's me that's me being salty towards the salty just because somebody is new into the industry doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing please 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 always bear that in mind because the exact same principle is applicable to you and if you're going to pass harsh judgment on a newbie Harsh judgment will be passed on you. And anybody listening to this is like, that's not, oh, it's very biblical. I have family, you know, like karma is not in the Bible. So karma is absolutely in the Bible. Jesus talks about it all the time. So I'm going to pull that card. It is constantly in there. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. An eye for an eye does make the world go blind, but it's biblical. If you, if you're going to, and basically, essentially, if you're going to treat people a certain way, you will definitely be guaranteed you're going to be treated the same way. If you're going to measure them by a certain ruler, you will also be measured by the exact same ruler. So if you want grace and mercy and compassion given to you as you're new to the industry, give that same grace and mercy and compassion for the professional service providers like editors who are also new. You're in this together. And when you lift each other up, you're going to go a lot further than if you're being super strict and stringent and coming in with an ego. All right, now I'm going to step off my soapbox for a moment, close the sermon Bible, pass around the offering plate. <laughs> um, but I just had to do like a moment there, like champion for the newbies on both ends. Every editor is different. That's the next section. Every editor is different. Editors specialize in specific types, and we do adhere to the basic principles of each. I do adhere to the basic principles of developmental editing. Just as much as there are copy editors and line editors who adhere to the basic principles of that particular specialization. However, every editor operates on individual preferences from working style to editing methods. Some editors prefer to take your manuscript and just ghost it until it's done, while others prefer a more collaborative approach. We talked about this earlier. 
make your decisions based on what you prefer. I put this in here because there are people who will go on Facebook groups for advice and you'll have actual like really professional editors say this is how it's done and do not accept anything more or less. That's not really accurate. Like, like I said before, there are editors who do not do package deals. That does not mean that you should run for the hills when an editor does do a package deal. I do package deals. That's just how I prefer. Most editors charge by the word. I do not because I'm more focused on you getting published than on me making the bottom dollar. Um, but there are editors who are really swamped and banked for time. And so they do have to charge per word to kind of, you know, weed it out. That's great for them. I'm not going to get on them for that because that's their own personal preference. You need to make decisions based on your personal preference. You probably just heard a little meow. Yes, uh, Quill, my assistant editor here, my little furball assistant editor, has a lot to say about this as well. <laughs> um, refunds and cancellations. I already kind of went on the thing about this, but I'm just going to reiterate here. Services and intellectual property are typically non-refundable due to their intangible nature. Basically, nothing can be unseen or undone. Tangible items, like tangible goods, you can absolutely return for refunds. Um, as long as it fits the policy that's on your receipt, you have the receipt, you can prove that you bought it, and you're able to absolutely return it. This is literally physically impossible to do with intellectual property and services. I can't uncut your hair. I can't unfacial your face. I can't unedit your book. You know what I mean? I can't undo anything and you can't unsee it. So refunds just do not exist in the service industry. And when they do exist, it's typically because the business ownership or management is not that great. I'm being perfectly honest. I have worked with companies that really struggled with that. And there was one that I worked with years and years ago. They were really struggling for money. They kept giving refunds. I even talked to the owner of it, who's an amazing, amazing woman. I'm like, you got to stop refunding people. And she's like, well, we want customer satisfaction. I'm like, yeah, but we're also suffering here. Like, you, what they're doing is they're going out and telling everybody, well, you can just get a refund at this establishment. And that's exactly what was happening. It really was. Social aspects of refunds is fascinating. So if you're a service provider listening to this, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, if you are in a physical goods-based business, absolutely offer refunds. But if you're in a service-only based industry or service-based business, do not offer refunds. If you're a client listening to this and going, gasp, yeah, you got to be okay with that. Otherwise, you're not ready to go in. Okay, you got to be okay with letting go of that money, understanding that you're not going to see it again until you publish and you earn it back through your sales. That is the harsh truth of this, and I'm putting my foot down for you and for every service provider out there and every other editor out there. No refunds. When you enter an agreement with any service provider, you and this is where it comes from, you are promising them a portion of their income that they will now utilize to budget for business and personal expenses. Please keep this in mind should you need to cancel. If you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't want to cancel because I don't want to like screw them over, but I really have to. I mean, yeah, there is an aspect that you are kind of screwing them over just a little bit, but not so much if you're giving that due diligence of like an, an advanced notice. Okay. It's, it's kind of like when you get your two weeks notice at work, that's a courtesy. You're, you're being polite. You're being like, you know what? I don't want to just completely rip out the carpet from under you. So I'm going to stick around for another two weeks just so you have time to find my replacement. 
is essentially the same principle applies to cancellations. You're giving me, you're giving any other service provider you work with the due diligence and, and the courtesy, I should say the courtesy of, hey, I need to put a pause in this or I need to cancel this. I am so sorry, um, but I'm letting you know ahead of time so you can make the necessary arrangements to adjust for this. Absolutely zero problem. Just keep in mind that when you sign that contract, you promised to pay money that I'm now utilizing into my, my quarterly budget or my quarterly projections. When you pull that money out, it throws the whole system off. It really does. Um, and that's not just for me. That's for literally any business. That's even with goods. We're perfectly honest. Whenever you return an item, you're offsetting the system. I've worked the, the return side. I used to work at a Target years and years and years ago. I worked the customer service end when people come in and I need to return this. Okay, cool. No problem. But does it really complicate things on the back end? Yep. <laughs> do we love it? Nope. Will we do it anyways? Yep. But when it comes to services and stuff, again, I can't say this enough. No returns, no refunds, um, cancellations only with enough head notice. And what enough means should be in the contract. Last one here, academic restrictions. Oh, this one. <laughs> I hope if you're listening to this, and you're in the academic world right now, and you'd be considering doing things on Fiverr, because I used to edit on Fiverr. I'm actually pulling out of that now. Um, hmm. Pay attention. Pull out that notebook if you haven't already been writing notes. Pay attention. But also just pay attention just in case, you know, you might be going into academia. If you are looking for an editor to finesse your thesis or other academic works, be aware of the strict, and I mean strict, limitations on the scope of what your editor can do to the draft. Editors cannot change your voice, cannot rewrite sentences or paragraphs, and cannot change transcriptions or translations or format the citations for you. You cannot. At any point, if that is done, it becomes plagiarism because it's not your work. When you are using academia, like when you're doing academic works, it has to a thousand percent be your work entirely. And I am emphasizing this because that is the most grief I've ever gotten. And it happened quite recently too. From more than just one one person, but one person in particular, and that was the manner to English issue. Uh, she was upset that I didn't rewrite her sentences. She was upset that I didn't rewrite her transcriptions. I can't. I literally can't. That It becomes plagiarism. And I kept telling her this. Like, you, like it, it's against your university policy. It's against American, you know, it's against, you know, like global academic policy. It is a violation. I cannot do that. That is up to you. And also, it's your voice. And it, what really bothered me, and I think I talked about this in the other podcast, is that her advisor told her that she needs to sound like a, a, a standard white man. She is neither standard, white, or a man. <laughs> like, no, don't change your voice if that's not who you are. That's, that's pretend. That, again, is falsifying information. Can't do that in academia. Now, what editors like myself and uh, basically any other editor can do is spell check, grammar check, verify links are operational. I've done that, you know, like in the citations. I'll click on the link. If it takes me to a dead page, I want to let you know. Um, you still have to fix it. I can't fix that for you, but I'm absolutely going to like highlight it. Like, hey, please check this. Um, and, ask and I can also ask questions for clarity, notated in the margins. 
I can't tell you what to write, but I can ask questions to inspire you to write better or more. <laughs> um, multilingual editors may be able to help verify correct translations, but this is typically beyond the scope and should be checked with your academic advisor as well as your editor. That being said, that's usually beyond the scope. Check with your academic advisor on what is allowed and also what's not allowed. Check with your editor on what is and isn't allowed. And don't get mad because you're in academia. You are writing something that has much stricter rules. Now, how is this different from nonfiction works? If you are no longer in a educational institution, if you're no longer writing as a student or faculty, like basically you're just writing a nonfiction book. Like let's say you write a uh, biographical historical novel on uh, the Tudors or whatever. That's different. Editors can change your voice. Well, they shouldn't anyways. Um, but you know, they, they could legally. Um, they can rewrite sentences. They can change, uh, they can adjust translations or transcriptions. They can format the citation. They can help format the study. They can do a lot more. I'm going through the list. Like they can do a lot more. Um, again, they shouldn't change your voice, but they can. It's not going to violate anything. That's the big difference. Because you're not under the restrictive umbrella of academia. That's the main difference. So please keep that in mind if you are somebody who needs an editor for your thesis. You can absolutely hire one. And if you want to hire me, I'm happy to do it. Um, it's going to be a much different fee structure than if it was like your own individual nonfiction or fiction novel, um, because I also keep in mind you're a student. Um, and also, it's just not as much work. So just let me know. I'm going to definitely be happy to work with you, but I need you to remember the kind of work that I'm legally allowed to do according to the law and also just university policy across the globe limits and restricts what I'm able to do. So just... Bear in mind so you don't get mad later. That's it. That's that's essentially the workbook. Um, on the back cover, I have you know best wishes on your journey toward publishing, and and absolutely feel free to put me to the test. I do offer complimentary consultations to discuss your publishing goals and editing needs, which you can book here. And I have the the link to the website. If you print it out, you at least have the the information. If you don't print it out, you keep it digital. The link does go directly to my website. And what I did too, is I, I linked it to my website so you can kind of peep around and get more information about me and do your, your kind of like sleuthing um, rather than just here's the intake form. I want you to sleuth. I want you to vet me on your own before you talk with me. I want you to feel confident going into that consultation. Um, I want you to love me. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's that. I realize right now I did not hyperlink the social media things. But you know you can find me on social media. It's all Nikki Auberkit. I'm the only Nikki Auberkit in existence. I checked. Um, so I'm easy to find. And you want to get the best of me. It's on Instagram. To be perfectly honest. Everything you automatically post to Facebook and Twitter. So if you spend more time on either of those platforms, you're still going to get the same information. But if you really want that where she constantly active, it's Instagram. Um, that, that wraps up today's episode. I know it was a really hefty one. But it's absolutely worth it to make you protected and safe and secure. And you got this. I am so excited for you. And, and please, like I said before, don't feel bad if you end up working for somebody who's not me. I want you to work with your best fit. I hope I am your best fit, but I completely understand and encourage you. If I'm not, I want you to find your best editor. 
Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to drop me a line via email, via Facebook, via Instagram. I'm always here to help. And as always, keep on writing. You've been listening to The Writer's Workshop. If you want to learn more about developing your craft or you're ready for an editor to take a look at your manuscript, head on over to NikkiAuberkit.com. Be sure to follow me on Instagram as well for more tips, tricks, and inspiration. And as always, keep on writing.